guys, welcome to The Breakdown. My name is Mary. I am here with Brock and Josh. We are your hosts. And it, it, it definitely feels like fall today, at least the day we're recording this. What is your favorite fall drink? Go. Hmm. Share, share with our listeners before we get started. I, th- I think it stays the same no matter the temperature outside. Yeah, Pepsi. <laughs> oh no! You can't go wrong with Pepsi. That is not a fall drink. <laughs> I mean, you go you go to any, any any party and people bring out whatever. You're like, man, this is good. But I wish I had a Pepsi. <laughs> Josh, what about you? Pepsi. Please don't don't say a soda. No, I love uh, like uh, like a spiced chai uh, latte. So okay. some some chai. With a little, little hint of Pepsi. Oh, little. <laughs> I love that you said Pepsi. <laughs> I just tried to, it's not really my favorite drink. I no, just tried to think is. of the most random thing to say is Pepsi. Oh, it's a fun word to say I will Pepsi. blow you both out of the water because pumpkin cream cold brew, I know every listener listening now, they're going to be like, oh yes, that's the one. <laughs> forget Pepsi, forget chai latte. You can't forget Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, never, Blind taste never. Test. it's Blind classic. taste test, you're picking Pepsi. <laughs> Uh Well, anyways, if it's your first time, uh, we're so glad that you're joining us. Uh, We take a bite-sized portion of the weekend teaching at Hope Fellowship, and um, we break it down. So we take a a scripture that we want you to know more about, and it's a pretty easy pick this weekend because— it was the only one. We had one to pick from. We yes. didn't. We didn't have a hard a hard decision to make there. And so uh, our guest speaker came. His name is Rick Gannon, and he did a great job. And he just broke down um, a story in Mark. And so that's kind of where we're going. But this is really a story that you've probably heard if you've been around church. If you haven't, maybe maybe you haven't. But if you stick around long enough, you will hear it many times over. And so we're really going to kind of step behind the curtain a little bit and uh, kind of see this in different angles, different perspectives, kind of understand it in a holistic way. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it brings a little bit of clarity to something that you might wonder, which is, uh, so uh, this gift of the gospel has been given to us. Is it more of a message that we tell people? Is it more about a lifestyle that we live? And um, honestly, it's both, right? And so we're going to look at kind of how those things play out uh, equally throughout this passage. We're looking specifically at Mark 2, verses 1 through 5. Mark tells us, he says, And when he returned to Capernaum, Jesus, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. There we go. So we want to do something a tad different today. Just a tad. So we want to look at, this is a story that we've heard probably if you've been in the church at all many, many times with a lot of different interpretations of, of what this story is all about. So we want to look a little bit at the, the world of Jesus and what's going on, kind of the cultural world of the Jewish people at this point in time. Um, you know, just kind of some insights into the background. Cause I think when you look at the background, understand that stuff, it really adds a lot of rich meaning then as you read the text and read other stories of the New Testament. So we're going, we're going behind the scenes today a little bit. We're going to pull the curtain back yes. on ancient Israel and look at some of that, what's going on. Would Is you that say so? that we're going to climb onto the roof of Scripture and we're going to rip it open and peer <laughs> down inside? I don't know. It just feels <laughs> I like— I love that. The roof, <laughs> the, roof, the roof is on fire. That's what it feels like oh, a little bit wow. here. So. Insert roof joke here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of another one. There's nothing there. I just stared into the. It will come naturally. I, I believe. A self-proclaimed it. comedian. I stared <laughs> into the abyss of com- comedy, and there was just nothing there but blank. 
<laughs> so one of the things that's kind of cool about this passage is it mentions that Jesus had come back home. So a lot of people think that this became Jesus's home during his ministry time. And so, Josh, how did you say the name of this town? Uh, Capernaum. Capernaum. I, I've heard people call it Capernaum. I feel like you stole mine. Capernaum. Ca- Capernaum. Oh, so we say it the same way. <laughs> Capernaum. Oh, look at you guys. I think it's all I like, over no, the place. No, we have to say it different. <laughs> but if you look back in verse 29 of chapter one of Mark, it says that Jesus had come here and this might been might have been the home of Peter or Andrew. So there's a possibility here. We're in Peter's ancient home. That's kind of like if you were doing a, a Bible tour of Israel in a bus and they're like, and here's where Peter was born and raised if it was still around. And so they are up in the Northern part of Israel by the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus has uh, been there. And the reason they said it was, might've been Peter's home is because Peter's mother-in-law was, was healed just mm-hmm. a few short verses before in chapter one. And so it was in, Peter's home. And so this might've been the same place, but there's a lot of buzz going on in this town. Um, You think about ancient Israel. These people probably didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of access to medical care, if any, at all. They were being oppressed and had been, think about since the exile, different government after different government after different government had come in and ruled these people. And probably Mm. they were not really excited about life. And so that's all going on here in Capernaum or Capernaum where this is going on. You know, that's interesting that you bring that up because we're here at the beginning of the gospel of Mark, this account. And uh, I know that they're laid out in different ways as far as like kind of what stories they're telling and stuff like that. But it is interesting to think how there's this whole space in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. What's that called, Brock? That space that's in between those two. <laughs> we were making fun of this earlier. It's called the intertestamental period. Because you bring up all the political change and stuff like that. Yeah. And and like we're kind of being let into the this story, the beginning of this gospel telling as far as Mark's concerned. And a lot's been going on in the background, right? Yeah, because we ended the mm-hmm. Old Testament with, with the Italian prophet, Malachi. Is that how you say his name? <laughs> Malachi. Malachi. Yeah, Malachi. What are you doing? Should we clarify yeah. how to actually say it? Uh, it's Malachi, I think. And so like, so that's happened and now here we are. And so there's just been this silence, uh, but all this stuff is going on. And so these people are kind of in, a pre- in an oppressed state. Yeah. And so here come, and they're, they've been promised uh, through the prophet Isaiah that there'd be a, a Messiah. And so they're all this political oppression. There. So they're kind of looking for someone to come along and free them from all this oppression that's going yeah. on. And now all of a sudden here, Jesus appears on the scene. And earlier in chapter one of Mark, it talked about in the same town that Jesus had gone to the synagogue and was preaching and everybody was so intrigued by what was going on. And there was, um, he cast the demon out of a guy. Uh, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, he healed others. There was demons that were being driven out. And so you'd think there'd be a little bit of an excitement, a little bit of a buzz, like, okay, we've had nothing but failure for a long, long time yeah. as a nation, as a people. and wow, what's going on? This is pretty exciting, all this healing, all this stuff that's happening in the in the synagogue, in their very town in Capernaum or yeah. Capernaum. Yeah, he's very much like a superstar kind of on the rise right here, which is not how we necessarily want to think of Jesus, you know, like uh, through this, you know, podcast and everything, we've learned like he is this suffering servant and he is all these things. But I think at least from the crowd's point of view, um, someone showing up and just starting to do miraculous things that that was just such a pick me up for them. And so like, oh, who is this? Who is this man? You know? Yeah. Could you imagine if you're just, your whole life has been nothing but struggle Yeah. Uh, physically, financially, all these things. And all of a sudden here's someone that appears to be fulfilling 
prophecy in your midst and all these exciting things are happening. I mean, there would just be a lot of hope and anticipation yeah. and the crowds like in the synagogue was packed and here we are at this house and the crowds were so big that they were spilling out of the house. And, and I can't imagine it was a, a very big house, but yeah, I mean, TV. still, it, who knows, but it was like, it was packed. There's just people so excited to see this Jesus and see all the things he was doing. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, spilling out of the room. There's not even standing room at the door. Exciting. Uh, you can kind of imagine like the streets outside maybe starting to fill out. He's preaching the word. And then we have this this little gang of friends approaching, yeah. carrying their friend. Yeah, and so here's these guys. We don't know anything about the paralyzed guy that they were bringing, these four friends. Yeah, uh, We just know that he's probably couldn't walk because he had to be on a, on a mat. And here's some guys. Um, and it's funny how they play a pretty pivotal role in the Bible. I mean, we hear this story over and over, but they're referred to as some men. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. These here's, dudes. Here's some men. These guys. Yeah. And so hey, I was one of those some men. That was me. I was one of those some men. That was me. And so there's four of them. And so they bring this guy to Jesus and they're obviously probably in a desperate spot yeah. because he can't walk. They don't know what to do. They're just desperate. Obviously, as the story continues to unfold, they're tearing through the roof and everything. So they're bringing Jesus. Um, I mean, and even thinking about like the fact they carried him on a mat anyways. So not even to mention where we're going, they literally carried this guy. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a wheelchair. It wasn't, you know, there was no ease. Do they have wheelchairs? I don't don't want to speak with too much authority, but I'm pretty sure they didn't. Okay. I I envision it like the Flintstones, like it had rocks on the side that rolled around a little bit. Square wheels. Yeah. And so there's a show that just came out on Apple TV Plus. Sorry. Little plug there for a, a, a streaming it. service. Um, there's a show, and I don't know how to quite pronounce it. It's called Shantaram, I believe. And I was watching it the day, and it really made me think of this. And so here's this guy who is in this slum in Bombay, India, where people just have no money at all. They're really living in poverty. And he's got some training, military training uh, as a paramedic. And so the people see him help someone out. And then the next morning when he wakes up, he walks outside of his tent there in the slums and there's hundreds of people lined up to see him because they didn't have access to medical care. They didn't have access to, they didn't have the money to go to the hospital. There's this one lady in the store that even went to the hospital and got denied because they knew they couldn't help her and she was dying, but like, sorry, you don't have any money. You can't get helped here. So there's that kind of that desperation that was going on in these people. And as I read the story, it made me think of that picture. Here's these people. They're just so excited. Here's someone to help us. We have no ability to get any medical care. And wow, here's this guy here that can really do something about our situation, our condition. Yeah. we. So the kind of idea here is a little uh, peek behind the curtain, like you said earlier. I want to take a peek behind the curtain as far as kind of what we do week to week. So we hear a message on the weekend. We kind of text each other and land on a verse. And then typically we meet earlier in the week. We kind of get a game plan for the recording and then we come and we record it. And so yesterday, as uh, Brock was telling me this story about the show he was watching, I started thinking about uh, something I'd seen recently. And uh, for a long time, I, w- I just wasn't really interested in, in watching that show, The Chosen, uh, which is about like Jesus and kind of like little by little, his little disciples, uh, you know, group kind of forming. Uh, my mom-in-law is real a uh, big fan of that show and she got us to watch it. Well, we started watching it and I, I was, uh, I thought it was great. I was actually 
pleasantly surprised with uh, with how good I thought that it was. There was a there was a particular episode that this reminds me of, where um, the entire episode uh, Jesus isn't really in the episode because like we as the viewers know that he's kind of like over here healing all these people like from dusk until dawn, right? So simultaneously, the disciples are over here uh, and they start kind of like arguing with one another about really petty things and uh, and getting really worked up. Well, by the end of the episode, Jesus kind of comes back to the camp. Um, I think that he's like just physically, emotionally wiped. Like he's in so much pain from helping all these people all day that he can hardly even like lay down and go to sleep. And it's so interesting because the juxtaposition is like uh, very evident He's been over here helping, serving. They've been over here kind of arguing about petty stuff. And it's really interesting how uh, he's just was like, hey guys, good night. And then they, you can, they didn't only think they say anything, you can just tell like, like in the face of kind of his grace and his mercy and his servitude and his sacrifice, it just kind of put that stuff into perspective for them, right? And so I can only imagine uh, as we're talking about, um, it's interesting to, to hear this Apple TV show and kind of how maybe what I would call like the world kind of perceives even uh, that kind of desperation. And in the face of that desperation and the realization that I have this gift I can offer, it's really interesting to think of how someone might make that choice of how to prioritize stuff, right? How to live my life, how to give my time and use my gifts. And it's so cool that that we get to see Jesus walking this out and people starting to get to know him as the one that I that the desperate people go to. Yeah. Like crowds of desperate people are going to him. That's like what he's known to. I think that's so cool. And it was all word of mouth, you know? Like it's yeah. literally no social media, no nothing. Yeah, and there the, we are. The guy that cast out the demon, the guy that yeah. healed the mother-in-law. And so these friends had obviously heard that. And so it's such a beautiful picture we get here of this desperation of people that just have nothing. Yeah. And a savior that comes that has everything. And he's not withholding that. He's wanting that to be given to these people. There's such compassion, such grace as he looks out upon these people. And so these guys come out, they show up at this house. It's a typical kind of house probably for that uh, area. The, so a lot of times their pictures like flat roof houses. And flat roofs are the best because they hold water really well when it rains. They don't ever leak. It's really fantastic. But there's a flat roof, probably a little staircase on the side of it that they could walk up, you know, so the people could go. There's a lot of roof stuff as we read the New Testament. And the roof was made probably of some branches, some wood beams, probably a, a layer of hardened clay. And these guys decide, hey, we're going to make a hole in this roof. So if I'm Peter, if this is my house, I'm probably like, are you kidding me? Uh, they're making a hole in my roof. And also, too, uh, I wonder, as they were making this hole, it probably wasn't a quiet little thing. Like, or quick. Or quick. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, I guess there's people just carving a hole in the yeah. roof. And Je- Jesus is literally, says he's literally here preaching the word to them, and they're <laughs> above him carving a hole out of the roof. Which yeah. I wonder, like, okay, was it just like a ruckus? Like, was was outside of that? Was it just like there was enough people that there was like this, like, loudness in the room? I mean, they didn't have any, like, Bluetooth speakers back then. Like, it wasn't bumping. Like, there's no way he couldn't have heard this. <laughs> right. And yeah. they were right? in the car driving by with loud music, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't easy to get in there. That's no, crazy. and so they're obviously, again, shows the sign here of death desperation. Yeah. These people are desperate to get their friend or whoever this man was to Jesus because they're if Jesus didn't heal this guy there was no other way. It was a desperate situation. And so they lowered this guy down to Jesus and his response here is, is really interesting. He says to the guy, uh, "Sons, your sins are forgiven." Very unexpected yeah. response by, by everybody in the room. Yeah. Cuz you had those who were there expecting a miracle 
You had those who were there expecting to hear great teaching, preaching. You had those that were there and their expectation was, we're going to quiet this guy or prove him wrong or whatever. And yet when he said, your sins are forgiven, it's almost like everybody there was like, what? Hmm? Yeah. Because there was these people that were fairly new on the scene in the life of Israel, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and all these people. And they were learned people. They were pretty smart. And they thought they were the ones to help people in this weird, crazy time where they're being oppressed by their governments. And to they understand. were protective. They were protective. Yeah. yeah. So they were trying what they thought was doing the right thing. And so they're there and they hear Jesus say that and it freaks them out. Like, hey, what's going on here? He can't say your sins are forgiven. So knowing that sins can only be forgiven by God. So Jesus is in a lot of ways, he's performing all these miracles. And now he says, your sins are forgiven. It's like in a lot of ways, he's saying to those teachers of the law, I am God. And that freaked them out. They did not like this situation. So here's these respected religious leaders, this desperation all coming together. And Jesus just says, your sins are forgiven. So pretty, pretty wild what's going on here. Yeah. Those weeks where you come in to production meetings and you're like, I am God. I'm like, bro, come on, man. Eat a Snickers. You know, let's bring it down a He's notch. He's just hangry. Yeah. Watch, watch some Shantarams. <laughs> Tell me about your Drink latest. Drink a Pepsi. Your latest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drink a Pepsi. Well, and I think that that's really interesting too, because like it is just this buildup, right? Of like focus on miracles, focus yeah. on miracles. And like, oh, who is this buzz? Who is this guy? He's doing something incredible, something new. And then it's like, okay, everybody's like, wait, not that new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. A, that's, that's a cool. That's a but little too new. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little too new. And I think, I think we can read past this and be like, yeah, you know, but it's like, truly, that is such a, that's a huge statement. Shocking. And we, we talk about that in other gospels and other stories and throughout scripture that that's this common like denominator that Jesus will come and be like, I'm not just, I'm not just anything. Like I am God. And, um, you know, we see in the Gospels, especially, that's what he's doing. He's kind of laying it out. Well, it's cool because what happens? Well, we know he goes on to heal this guy. Mm -hmm. We know that he goes on to do that. But first, it's like he brings the focus to the main point, which is God. Yeah. Then he can, so he kind of meets that bigger need that maybe they're only, no one's really focused on, or at least by kind of presenting the, answer to that question, right? That they're not asking. But then he does go on and he actually does meet the physical need as well, which is really neat. Yeah, so he's concerned here about the soul. You're forgiven, but he's also very concerned about the body. And then in this context, you got these teachers of the law. This really sets the rest of the story because they're like, uh, did this dude just claim he was God? And so that, we got to get him out of here. And then back it up. Yeah, and then back <laughs> it up. By healing the guy, now so, what are we going to do? So they're all, their world's all spinning. So like, so the story is now set that here's these people, the common man that is in desperate need. Jesus is after them. He's after them for healing of the soul. He's after them for healing of the body. And you got these teachers of the law that are after him to get rid of him, you know, from all that stuff. Yeah. So, but this does lead me to a little bit. That's kind of the historical background. Yeah. It leads me to a little conundrum, mm. just a little one. Tell us about and so that. when I was in, uh, in my church life, I've served in different denominations. And in some denominations I've been in, it feels like the whole goal of the church is to get people saved. In other denominations I've been, it feels like the whole goal of the church is to go help out the poor and the needy. So which is it? So that's my conundrum after reading this. So any thoughts? So send in your answers to uh, <laughs> Brog B. Yonke. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> huh, there we go. <laughs> but like, I mean, isn't that 
Do you feel Jesus kind of answers that question a little bit in this passage or am I, am I reading too much into this? Well, I mean, I think we see him answer it or I think we see scripture answering it through Jesus in this passage here. It is interesting to play around with that conundrum of yours a little bit because um, it can be so muddy because serving is good. But if I use serving as an excuse not to tell people about Jesus, I don't know that that is good. If I just tell people about Jesus, but I don't serve, if I don't meet needs, um, you know, I don't know if that's good either. When we look to this passage, I mean, it pretty pretty clearly says that Jesus is not only preaching the word, you know, he's giving God the glory, he's healing people, he's meeting these needs. It's a pretty pretty clear kind of both and that's going on. Yeah, I, I think I see it just a tad differently. Okay, that I, I feel like Jesus is in here that the soul and the body. That's that's just this care for people. People are desperate here. I remember. I was a, I'm a youth pastor once and we went and we helped build some homes for some people. And I had this lady come up to me afterwards and said, oh, did anybody get saved? And I'm like, oh, we just went down to build, build the home. She goes, oh, it was an unregenerate event. <laughs> oh, unregenerate. Yeah, I was like, oh, thank you for, you know, the week that we spent in this. Because you, you didn't see the eyes of this family afterwards. It had no home. And all of a sudden they were just so, so thank you. And they joked around afterwards. They were, they were pregnant, this family. They, know, they uh, joked around they're going to name their daughter Brachita. So they didn't. They did not. Thank, That's beautiful. Thank goodness. Not but broccoli. Yeah, exactly. But I think this Jesus is saying, "Hey, just go and, and reach people, serve them, love them, and just, just, just go." And like they're both beautiful things of healing and the soul. Like those are just beautiful things to go after people. Not that we should neglect one or the other, mm-hmm. but let's just go and serve and go from there. Yeah, I think that it's so easy to. I think for people, we swing, right? We swing one way or the other naturally. And I don't necessarily think that that is bad. We just tend to do that because we're human, right? But it's so refreshing to look at Jesus and be like, wow, that is someone, and this is who we follow, who we believe, who saved us, who can can do this beautifully and balanced in such an incredible way and, and a holistic way. And that's kind of, you know, even when you're talking about holistic at the beginning, I think about how we compartmentalize, we polarize, we swing, you know, but to look at Jesus in, in this story, I see, I just see both. And I see such a beautiful balance of it right here in the middle. And um, I see it in people's lives too. I think that it's so easy for us to separate them you know, but it kind of, they flow together and they're mixed, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I think so many people listening right now, you know, you might fall on one of those sides, right? You might be swinging one way or the other, or maybe have an opinion about that. And, and I would just encourage you to let that perplexity, that question kind of sit and, and look to this scripture, look to this story and ask, ask yourself, you know, what, 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 is it, what can you learn from Jesus right here in this moment and how beautiful it is that he not only saves our bodies and our situation and fixes our circumstances, but he is holistically saving us. Um, and our circumstances don't always change and we don't always get that healing or that thing that comes through, you know? Um, so it's not all about that, but it's, but at the end of the day, like he's with you and he saved you. And so, um, I think that that's such a beautiful thing. And so if you're desperate (laughs) or maybe you're finding yourself one way or the other to just look to the scripture and I just challenge you guys to read that. Maybe you are in a desperate spot and you're like, what do I do then? Like, what do I do if I haven't gotten that miracle? Or maybe I'm just I'm just struggling right now. And we have some really awesome resources. I'd love for you to speak into that care, Pastor Brock. 
Yeah, so we oh, created a and, website, you know, hopefellowship.net slash care, where people can go and find different resources and things that we offer as a church and also prayer, um, guidance to understand what it means to be in Christ. And so if you want to check that out, it's hopefellowship.net slash care. There's all kinds of resources we have at this church, at least anyway, to hopefully fall in that holistic approach. It's awesome. So definitely check it out. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you learn more about this scripture, um, that you're excited to go read it and study it more and ask those questions. Um, and join us next weekend or next week, this weekend at Hope for the message. We're going to have a QA. and a It's going to be awesome. But also next week for the breakdown. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.